0: for joining us on hashtag no limits today i'm your host shelly kino hashtag no limits is about people that society puts limits on but who have busted through those limits as a former special education teacher and now as an education consultant i see these limits being placed on students all too often ophelia said in hamlet we know what we are but not what we may be i believe this to be true and that there is no better example than the caterpillar turning into the butterfly the caterpillar literally dissolves itself into cells, then reforms as a butterfly. And then the butterfly has to fight and in in order to get out of the cocoon in order for its wings to be strong enough for it to fly. So obviously this is no easy task, but neither is the struggle that our members of our society who face limits upon them have to go through. Boy, that just sounded awful. My ball kinds of tongue tied all of a sudden. (laughs) Sorry about that, folks. Um, So I want to just do a couple of business things that I often forget to do, and then I will introduce my guests to you today. So if you are watching, please let us know with the hashtag live. If you're watching the replay, tell us hashtag replay. If you have any questions, make sure to put those in the comments in the chat section, whether you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, like this or subscribe to this and share it as much as possible because these stories are only valuable if they get heard. So we need to make sure that you're sharing these as much as possible. Jessica, I so appreciate you coming on today. Thank you for joining me. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I am Jessica
1: Beatty. I currently live in Wyoming, Pennsylvania. I say currently because we just moved here. Oh, wow. Uh, We've been here for about six months, so I still feel like it's current. I was born and raised in Washington State, so complete polar opposite areas. Yeah. (laughs) Different weather, different everything. Um, I am here with my children and my husband. Uh, My husband took a job over here. That's why we moved. Okay. And both my kids are autistic. My son is in first grade. Can't believe he's in first grade. (laughs) Um, Second grade next year. Oh my goodness. And (laughs) he also has some struggles with ADHD. He was just diagnosed this year with a learning disability in reading and writing. And my daughter, hers is a little different than his. She is autistic. Uh, We're not seeing so much of the hyperactivity, Uh, we see more coming from health issues like hypotonia, low tone, other things. So they're complete polar opposite kids. And then I recently, within the last year, was diagnosed as autistic and also with ADHD um, right after my daughter was diagnosed. So it's been a busy year.
0: Wow, yes. Um, So, just for explanation, can you, because you talked about some of the health things with your daughter and you mentioned hypotonia and low tone. So, can you describe what that means a little bit? Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I used to be awake to waitress. Enjoy
1: my coffee. <laughs>
0: I used to yeah. be a waitress. I say that they, uh, jokingly, I say that they train all waitresses and waiters to come and ask you how your meal is right after you've taken a bite so that you can't actually say if your meal is bad. <laughs> that makes sense. That happens to us all the time.
1: Right? <laughs> I know the, the timing is uncanny. Uh, so yeah, I'm happy to explain a little bit of the hypotonia. I'm learning it myself too. Uh, From what I understand, it is low muscle tone. It doesn't mean there's not strength in the muscle. It just means it's looser. Uh, There's different kinds of hypotonia. There's hypotonia or hypertonia. So it's either loose or stiff. Okay. (laughs) And uh, there's different causes for it. It can be attached to different disorders and disabilities Other issues. Uh, we don't really know where my daughter's is. She's been tested often, but the struggles she had growing up was she is very floppy as a child. Uh, this happened after she was one years old. She wasn't floppy before that. And then, um, She regressed a bit. She's now showing signs of delays in writing, like fine motor stuff, and also speech with expression, getting things out. And she also struggles with asthma and breathing a bit, but as she's strengthened her core and gotten stronger uh, and her muscles have been able to learn to coordinate more, uh, a lot of those things are not as significant as they were previously so it's 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 also a spectrum so
0: okay good that's good to know yeah um so when you say she was floppy um and you you said that she has hypotonia so her muscles are more uh stretchy so um can you ex- can you describe floppy a little bit and then can you also tell us What are possible symptoms? So if there is someone who's watching and they're like, oh, maybe that's what's going on with my child. Mm -hmm. um, They would know they would have an idea of what they're looking at.
1: Yes. Uh, As I said, it's a spectrum. So it's different for every child. But with my daughter, I had noticed uh, when I'd hold her, we needed she couldn't sit on her own. So she couldn't sit up like this. Mm -hmm. We would always have to have something behind her to support her. If she needed help standing up a little bit, we'd have to give her a little bit of a boost. So always be right there. And Mm -hmm. we never knew when her arms or her her legs would give away. So we always had Mm -hmm. to be there ready to catch her. Uh, Every step, every movement is difficult. Uh, It's much easier for her now, but we've uh, been through a lot of therapies with her and has supported her a lot uh, her older brother's very mobile and pushes her to keep up so she has that motivator um like i said uh when she was from birth to about 13 months it was very normal development it ha- it was afterwards So they were concerned of strokes and all that. So we've done all the testing for MRIs and all that. But when it comes to hypotonia, it can also be no answer as to where it's happened. And a lot of many have very mild cases where you don't really notice. Uh But it can be like overextension of the arms or the knees and just, you know, a little bit of balance issues. But for her, when I say floppy, it meant when I picked her up, she just leans back. Okay. So, the and when she goes to sit up from sitting, laying down, uh, it would be hard to roll over or sit just going up to a 90 degrees. We'd always have to help her. So, they call it floppy, but that doesn't really seem floppy, it just seems like. You're just there right. needing a little bit more help, uh, but that's technically what they
0: call it as a sign. Okay, no, that's great. Thank you for that definition. Um, I, I'm sure in my career as a special education teacher, I have worked with hypo and hypertonia, um, mm-hmm. but like I said, there may be people that had no idea what that meant, and mm-hmm. so I'm always trying to clarify anything. Um, because as, and I, I didn't say this about you at the beginning, um, you are also a master IEP coach like I am. And that's one of the things that we talk about in special education is that so often as an, as a former educator myself, and when I was an educator full-time, I would use those acronyms and I would use those words mm-hmm. that I used on a pretty regular basis, maybe daily, but not everybody at the table knew what that meant. So I'm um, always trying to Help bring those kinds of things out. And there might have been something else that you said that I was going to ask and I can't remember now. So um, it might come back to you. <laughs> yeah, it might. If not, then you know, if somebody doesn't know it, hopefully they will reach out to one of us and ask us to explain it or or exactly what that means. So so um you started off at the IEP table with your son or your daughter? With my son. With your son. Mm -hmm. And so tell us kind of what that process was like for you. Because at that time, you didn't know you had autism, correct? Correct. I had
1: no idea. I did not know what really what to expect from autism. Uh, As we all grow up, we have these visions and we have we're kind of taught through the media and others around us what it looks like. So to me, it didn't It wasn't even on my radar with him, Mm -hmm. but I am a avid researcher and reader to learn. So if there's something going on that I don't understand, I'm always researching and trying to like detail it out. So, uh, for him and for my daughter, they don't, their childhood was never by like their development was never by the book. Okay. So with my son specifically going into it without any knowledge, I didn't babysit. I wasn't really around kids. So I was thrown in completely unaware. And to me, this is, to me, this is what raising kids are. Right. I've only known autism. So it's been interesting to see the other side of the spectrum for him. So for with going through it with him, he was very restricted on his, um, his interests. He, he would hyper-focus on one thing. And because I naturally did that, I was like, this is cool. I'll always know what he's interested in until right. he changes his mind and hyper-focuses on something else. Because that's what I do. I had no clue. <laughs> so right. he would focus on one thing and it made it easier for me. The other things I had noticed is he he made eye contact, He, but it was the other side. And I didn't know there was another side of this until we went in for diagnosis for him. Even with the IEP and stuff, he didn't qualify the first time we went in. Uh, they didn't really see what I was seeing because he was so social. He loved people. He looked you in the eye. When he spoke to you, he spoke to you like that. right? And, but it was the other side where he, I used to call it taking pictures with his eyes. So he would just sit and stare at you, take a, and like he's taking a picture so that he could memorize all your features. Wow. And, it, it really <laughs> and it was really cute and it was really kind of silly, but it was one of those things where it was like, I don't know if that's normal. But it doesn't bother me one bit. Like, that's just him. Sure. And so that was one of the big things. The other biggest thing we had was uh, behaviors that came from sensory issues. He could hear, like, a small pin drop in the corner and Mm -hmm. just scream bloody murder like someone was kidnapping him. Right. And so that was very intense, raising a child that all of a sudden was panicking and you're like looking around, trying to figure out what happened. And it be sure. as kind of easy as something, a, a grain of dust to move and it was just painful for him. And he wow. couldn't express it to me. So those were kind of the early stuff we saw with him, the things that uh, he he was very eager to learn. He was very developmentally ahead. He walked early, he ran early, he uh, spoke fine. He didn't have much of a speech disorder. Uh, sounds were difficult, but he couldn't communicate. He couldn't answer questions. And he would say the same word when he's introducing himself to someone where he would just go like bear and show his bear to somebody. And that's okay. how he would engage. So there was these little little things that just didn't make sense but because we only had a sensory uh integration uh sorry uh diagnosis for him through ot we went to the school and they were they were like well we don't really address this everything else looks great for him but they took it a step further and i'm not going to say what school district this was because I don't want them right. to get in trouble, but they did pull me aside and went, "Hint, hint, you should uh, sign him up as a peer model, and we will support him in the classroom as well." Without oh. so they were seeing some things, but the numbers weren't meeting what was needed to qualify, and uh, we ended up not signing him up, but. We continued forward towards an autism diagnosis the next year because things started to pick up. Behaviors were out of control. I had no idea what was going on. I was pregnant with my daughter. Um, It was becoming quite intense. And I knew for a fact before he was diagnosed that it was autism. Like I, I knew it. I was already approaching it that way. And we were seeing some great feedback. So when we went in and did the testing and they came back and told me, yes, it's autism, I burst into tears. I was so relieved because everybody in my family, um, even my own husband, uh, they didn't, they were like, you are off your rocker searching for something that's not there. Yeah. And it was hard to go through it alone. But when we got that, it was like this relief for everybody where it's like, well, we know. Let's learn and help him. And um, when we went back to the school with the diagnosis, it was much easier to get him qualified for preschool in the special education department that way. Um, it opened more doors. Mm-hmm. And I still had to go in and make sure that I expressed myself well. And I had no idea what I was doing at this time. I didn't do master IEP coaching or anything. So I was a new mom navigating this new thing with a diagnosis I didn't understand. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. I wasn't taking care of myself. I was glued to books and my phone and the computer just researching until I was blue in the head because I knew no one else would be able to do this like me. And I knew I had to do something and I am the type who likes to learn everything I possibly can before I talk about it. So by having those attributes, I was able to get him more support and have him prepared to transfer into kindergarten, which we didn't think would happen. But that's where I started was with my son. And that was kind of the process with him because it was the most difficult part of the process.
0: Right. So I'm going to kind of recap as much as I... uh, as I can here. So um, what I heard was that your son was having some differences Mm -hmm. and he was, he was really high in some areas and much lower in other areas. Mm -hmm. You approached your school and they said, no, Mm -hmm. Um, you then did more research. You, you followed your mama gut, as I like to call it, (laughs) and you kept researching and you kept going and you went to a doctor and you got a medical diagnosis of autism, which is what it is. Mm -hmm. You took that back to the school and you weren't automatically given an IEP. Mm -hmm. You had to continue to discuss with them Mm -hmm. and show them data. And, and, you know, and that was in the form of look at these behaviors, look at this, look at that. Um, and so I I just, I want to encourage that mom or dad that is watching this right now and they're thinking, wow, you know, this doesn't come easy for other people. Mm -mm. I thought it was just me. Mm -mm. Um, because I hear that. And I'm sure you've heard that too, as a master IEP coach, or even before you, too. Yeah. You know, that there, that no one else is going through this. No one else Mm -hmm. will understand this. You went through it with your family and friends. You said they told you that, you know, you were off your rocker. Why would you even think this? And so it is very isolating to trust yourself. So I want to encourage any parents that are watching who are in similar situations. It might not be easy, but it will be worth it. Mm -hmm. And whether your child is determined to have a disability or not, having a definitive answer will give you some peace. Mm -hmm. So keep keep going, no matter what you're being told, if you feel that you're not being told correctly, keep asking, Mm -hmm. ask other people, keep researching, um, because that's exactly what Jessica had done for her son. Now, I also want to note that we've only spoken about your son Mm -hmm. specifically. I mean, you talked about, you know, that from TV and movies, what you saw there didn't necessarily line up with the same things that you were seeing in your son, Mm -hmm. but you like something's, something's there. Something isn't as everybody, you know, expects it to be. Yeah. Um, And I think that's a, a, such a big point is, and I know that people within the world of autism say this all the time. When you've met one person with autism, you've met one person with autism Mm -hmm. because all the attributes and how everything manifests in each individual that is diagnosed with autism is different there. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there are some overreaching patterns, but the fact that, you know, when you're going to talk about your daughter, there's you are. I mean, you mentioned that before, how very yeah. different they are. Then when you talk about yourself, there's going to be differences there. And yeah. I also want to speak to the educators that are watching that we have to be very aware because Jessica's son was tested but his numbers weren't all there. Mm -hmm. We need to be cognizant of not just what's on the piece of paper that we're filling out or Mm -hmm. the pieces of paper that we're filling out um, when we're determining if a child is a child with autism in the school setting and how it affects them in the school setting. Mm -hmm. So did I kind of cover everything that you said in regards to your son? Yes. I think you summarized it
1: better than I do. I'm a talker. (laughs) No, no,
0: because we need, we need the details. And I just, I just wanted to reiterate some points um, because there were things that you said that I Mm -hmm. kind of worded them a little bit differently to hopefully hit home with everybody as much as possible. So, so you were able to get your show into kindergarten, you said, just before we went on the air. Um, So it, has that transition since you got him in been better? And and I mean not better because you, you didn't have anything to compare it to, but been a little more like what you want for him?
1: Yes. Uh, so he's in first grade now. Um that we're here in Pennsylvania. Before COVID, he was a kindergartner, so he missed half of his kindergarten year. Uh, When we were able to get into kindergarten, like, he was in a gen ed classroom. uh, I didn't understand, really, what transitioning from preschool special education to school age meant. Again, I'd never done any trainings, nothing, and... He was struggling. He was struggling. We were getting called about behaviors. Uh, He didn't have a behavioral plan. I didn't know what that was. I never knew to even ask for one. Um, No one volunteered any information to me. And I knew from the get-go after all my research that there has to be an easier way to do this i i need to know more how am i supposed to support my child when no one is telling me what to do like there's no nobody in the school saying hey we're seeing behaviors that are not like him Mm -hmm. and not what we've seen um this is what we can do to support him let's do this there was really nothing i could do other than put my foot down and be like no this is his disability um, how do we do this? And so I was getting support in the classroom. His teacher was amazing. And, uh, but outside of that, it wasn't going any step further. And I had no idea. I had to ask this information. So as a parent going in and just, you know, you think the school's going to do it for you. Right. Um, I learned quickly that even my concerns about his reading I brought it up on numerous occasions. I couldn't even get general education support. They wouldn't move it forward. They're like, he's in kindergarten. Don't worry about it. He'll catch up. I'm like, nah, what? Okay. So we're going to wait even more. Uh, So it was about October of that year, of his kindergarten year, a year from this last October. And I found Catherine Witcher, master IEP coach network, and I jumped on it. And it was after I got through uh, the graduation class, I learned about a functional behavioral assessment. I had requested it, we had started moving forward, I had started requesting about the reading and really pushing it. And then COVID happened. So we were dead stopped for this last year until we moved to Pennsylvania in September of 2020. And then we were able to move the ball forward for him, but they had to reassess. So we had to start sure. over. So we didn't get him actually started with programming um, until January of this year. Oh, I, wow, okay. But we were really spoiled. And I feel by the knowledge that I've attained for myself and my ability to grow and asking questions, I was able to get support for my son prior to an actual documentation of what he needed so we could work things out. And he's doing amazing right now. Oh, he's that's reading, awesome. Or he's reading some things. He's starting to sound things out. He's becoming more confident. I haven't heard him call himself stupid in about a month. Oh. Um, he hasn't said, I can't do it, but he will say, this is just hard. We'll show him, he'll get through and go, that was just so easy. I that's awesome. So we've seen a huge turn and he is really in an amazing environment right now.
0: That's fabulous. I love to hear those kinds of stories. Mm -hmm. So now you have progressed with your son. And you've gone through all the hoops. So now you know exactly what to do, right? You know all the steps to take, you know all the questions to ask. Um, you're laughing and you can tell that I'm not serious when I'm asking this question as well. Um, so what happened with your daughter's situation?
1: Uh, her was Hers is different. Um,
0: it's definitely taught
1: me different things because her delays are more... I, you can see it more physically, you can hear it in the sounds. Uh, but nobody believed she was autistic. I, she was deferred for three years. So deferred means I take her into the autism center. They do the testing and they say, we don't see it, but we see some things that are, uh, you know, Kind of flags. So we're just going to, we're going to flag her for a year and retest her in a year. Oh. And so we did that three years in a row. And it was our, our final one that we got deferred was right before COVID happened. And I was floored. I usually go in very Easygoing and nice. I left that literally screaming at everybody there in a very nice way. But I was <laughs> like, no, because they didn't give her a correct evaluation. They predetermined because she was a girl. Because she was a girl. Uh huh. She didn't have behaviors like my son. No outward. She was very compliant. Uh She followed. She was very quiet and appeasing, uh, but she was nonverbal. Um, but she would still follow directions and there's no way she could be autistic. So they had predetermined prior. I knew that that's what they were doing and it made me so angry for her. I, I lost it in a very professional way. You can, you know, uh-huh. But I told them that they didn't do a quality exam, and this was inappropriate for her. I'm getting a second opinion. So I got my second opinion. During Covid, we did online testing, and it ended up being the best experience of our life. And that's why I do talk to a lot of people who do testing is teletherapy and tele, I think it's health however they whatever they call it for testing, can't be remarkable for kids that mask really, really, really well in public, but lose it at home because you're bringing the camera to them Mm -hmm. at home. She doesn't like Zoom. She doesn't like people watching her. She doesn't like any of that. So they were able to see things that wouldn't have been seen if we were in the office. They got to see how she played with little details because I could zoom it in. Okay. and just discussing different things. And there's, their report was identical to her reports that were taken three years consistently. And she received the diagnosis, no question. Wow. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so you said a word in there. Mm-hmm. You said she masked. Mm-hmm. So explain what that means. So...
1: Masking is not a conscious thing. Many people do. Uh, It is, I will try to explain it as best as I can. It's different for everybody. Uh, It's where you, you're at home, you're in your comfort place. You're able to do whatever kooky little things that make you happy. And you're able to just be yourself at home, Mm -hmm. behind, hiding from everybody else. You're able to do the things that make you, you, but when you go out into public or you go to school or you go to the store, um, you put on, you put on like a different skin, a different skin to yourself and you go out and you perform and you act the way society expects you to act. You act normal. And I will say for myself as an autistic woman, COVID, with COVID and the masking is like the most amazing thing ever. And that's going to be a weird thing for many people to think because I do have sensory issues with that too. But the fact that I can hide my um, overexpression when I'm in public is really nice and it helps me stay relaxed and more calm. Because I am the type of person who will smile at people or, you know, joke around with them or just have a good time because that's what's expected instead of being kind of like hiding behind, like not wanting to be around people. So that's kind of an example of what masking is. It's basically you have two people, you have you and then you have the you others expect you to be
0: if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And that, I think that was a great explanation. Um, I don't know if you've ever watched the show, The Good Doctor, but Mm -hmm. the the main character on there, Sean, is a person who has autism. Mm -hmm. And they did a couple of episodes where they were wearing masks when this all started. Mm -hmm. And the, I found it really interesting because it said, you know, he and he and one of the other characters walked into a room and there were other doctors in the room and, and he looks at them and he says, tell me how Claire is feeling. Mm -hmm. And the other doctors in the room, Claire had a mask on and they were like, well, we don't know. And he Mm -hmm. says, you're right. You don't know because you can't see her face. Now you have a similar idea of what I go through every day because I can't read social cues. Yes you could but now you can't and so you know and i was like oh wow Mm -hmm. you know i was really really impressed with the show with the writers that they were able to to think that way Mm -hmm. and to to show that um and so yeah i mean when when you mentioned masking and i'm thinking probably most people were associating you know wearing a mask and you're Mm -hmm. kind of hiding a part of you um but yes, your, your definition was, was fabulous. And I, I thank you for that. Um, okay. So going back to your daughter, cause I don't want to skip anything. <laughs> I just wanted that word explained before we went yeah. further and I forgot about it. So, <laughs> so tell us more about your daughter and her and the experiences there.
1: Yeah. Um, her experience at the IEP table was a little easier mainly cause I, I already went through all these things with my son. um, The hardest was getting her actually diagnosed. And I knew that was gonna be a problem because girls are underdiagnosed because they many don't portray the typical restrictive. I mean, if you look at the criteria, most autistic people who are diagnosed don't fully fit that criteria. You can be autistic and not be repetitive. You can be autistic and not line things up you can be autistic and not outwardly stim stimming is different movements rocking back and forth or verbal or you know whistling or even things that you wouldn't know blinking um, that help you relax Mm -hmm. um that are you know you, you expect to see it but many don't and she was very much the don't. She didn't have the behaviors. So typically you don't see a lot of the kids who don't have behaviors in special education preschools. That's usually kind of an easy way to get in there because they can get the support they need behaviorally because other preschools aren't going to welcome that. Right. Um, but with her, the diagnosis was the hardest and the most exhausting for me because I knew I knew for two and a half years. I knew from the moment she regressed at um, 14 months old uh, that something was different. And it was my first experience with regression. So I have my son who had normal development all throughout his life and he's autistic. And then I had my daughter who had normal development and then regressed completely and um that was the hardest for me because i didn't you know you see this child who right you didn't expect that and then all of a sudden she can't move her whole left side of her body because of other neurological things that have happened and we can't figure out what you know pinpoint what may have health-wise caused it right um and we may never have answers for that, but we are able to figure out how to support her. So um, hers was more emotionally taxing because of her medical. It wasn't so much um, the other aspects of it. It was just her medical, like she was in and out of the hospital. Uh, she was deathly ill from not being able to cough or um get her secretions out. So she had chronic pneumonias, recurrent pneumonias. She was um, hospitalized for infections, for dehydration. And um, it was right before COVID 2019, Christmas Eve, technically Christmas morning at one or two in the morning, she started screaming bloody murder and she couldn't breathe. She rolled out of her bed. She was on a floor mattress and she had a fever of 104. She couldn't move. Oh my so she goodness. was screaming. Um, so we rushed her to the hospital and she almost died. So um, that really pushed us a little further into figuring out how to support her. And when I say her, IEP was different and our um, communication with the school was different was because his school, she was born right, right around the time he started in the fall. Uh So she was a baby and uh, they watched this. They watched her regress. They watched everything. They had, they found me crying after dropping him off. And i would cry to the school psychologist she and i became friends and um they watched it so when it was her turn when she left uh early intervention they fought hard for her she wasn't going to qualify at all um wow. for services uh her speech wasn't quite there even though she couldn't talk, um, her fine motor wasn't quite there. Like you have to need a certain thing. And it's like, gosh, it's beyond the paper. Right. And they were like, it's beyond the paper. We just need little more information. So they dug into every tool they had. And the school psychologist even said, I will go up there and fight for her until they say, yes, she needs it. I've watched it. Wow. So our experience with her was much easier because we had a relationship, we had, they, they watched it. And I feel like these people were superhuman <clears throat> because they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to love her. They didn't have to love my son. They didn't have to care for her. but they liked me. There was something about me that they loved too. Um, I'm not angry. I don't go in yelling at people. I don't go in demanding things. I ask really tough questions and then we work together to find the answer or some sort of response. And I think through that, they were just like, we can't just let this girl go. Yeah. Her mom needs help too. And so when I say it was a little easier, it has been, uh, the transition to Pennsylvania was more difficult for my daughter though, with her IEP. So (laughs) my son's was really easy really simple. Hers was trying to find the right uh, placement for her. She has grown so much in, since, she, since COVID. Um, I know we talk about COVID a lot with all the, oh, we can't be with family, we can't be any of this. I will preface, I haven't seen my family, friends, or my parents, or anybody since December of 2019. So when I say it's hard, it's hard um, when others say it's hard and they've seen family or friends, it's a little, di- it kind of hits, yeah. um, but this has been the best for her because she's finally, well, for the first time we've had her well for a year, no pneumonias, no sickness, nothing. Her hypotonia is she's, we're strengthening it. We have the right, um, treatments for her medicine wise, medicine. <laughs> And she's able to grow the strength she needs to keep herself healthy. Uh, She's run. We've gotten her. She's now running. She'll run. She just she just learned to ride a scooter like she's riding a scooter around and now she can keep up with her brother. And we're going to get her into swim lessons because she's a water kid and she's done gymnastics and she's doing karate with her brother. It's so cute watching her though, like do the kicks and stuff. It's really adorable. um, She's speaking. She started speaking. And now she, yesterday, she just sounded out mom for me. This is a bracelet bracelet. She She said, mom. And I was like, "What?" Um, and she's an OT. And she's, she started coloring for the first time. Very small. She fatigues fast but she's getting really into things. And for us, the hard part was and the amazing part too, was she, she's been growing and progressing so quickly. Her IEP team and me can't even keep up with her. We're constantly like, okay, now back to the drawing board. Awesome. Like, this isn't working. This isn't working because we need more. She needs. she's her, her mind is ready for the independence. She's cognitively so aware. She's brilliant. And that's where I, I can see kind of the difference. When you see a child who can't communicate to you, you many automatically think they're, they're not all there. They can't understand what you say. They know what you're saying. <laughs> no yeah. matter what, where they are, they know what they're saying. And she has an expressive language disorder. So she knows all this stuff. She can't share it. Her hands because of the hypotonia can't share it. Her bought her language because of the hypotonia and um, can't share it. It's just starting to come in. And so her IEP team has been amazing with jumping the hoops and running around with me. And we just went through our third place or third placement recently. And. She'll go into kindergarten next year. It's, and that'll be her fourth in a year. Like, it's just amazing how much she grows. And so, when I say it was more, it was more difficult because I hadn't dealt with a situation like this. Right. I never heard of a, I, I, a child moving so quickly like this. Right. And it's been phenomenal to watch it, but it's definitely, um, Made me learn things I didn't think I needed to learn a lot quicker in order to support this growth for her, and everyone around her has been so supportive.
0: That's awesome. That's so awesome. And and there's there was so much that you you said in there, and there's uh, a couple a couple of things that I really wanted to pull out. Um, you changed the IEP frequently. Mm-hmm. I want anybody to watch, who's watching this, whether you're an educator or a parent. The IEP is a fluid document. Mm -hmm. It does not, it's not a once and then done for a year. It can be if that's appropriate. Mm -hmm. But if that's not appropriate, if there's a need for a change, call the meeting, change the placement, change a goal, Mm -hmm. uh, change the services, whatever needs to be changed. Mm -hmm. And the reason that we can do that is the other thing that you said that it is very individualized. You know, not every student is going to need four different placements in a year because they're not going to fluctuate either up or down that much, Mm -mm. but because the individualized education plan or program is individualized, (laughs) if that needs to happen, that can, and it's, and it's, you know, definitely an option that can happen. I do want to read a couple of comments that have posted um, from E Calhoun says our 11 year old son normally masks in public. When he takes exams during virtual school, he loses it, even though he has studied. How do we teach him to slow down? Do you have any self-soothing te- self self-soothing techniques? <laughs> That's Nada. a tough word. I would struggle with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's the yeah. And then the follow-up was, "Thank you, Jessica, for sharing your experiences. Your definition of masks really hit home. Thank you so much. So, do you have any tips or things that you have used for your child as far as self-soothing? <laughs> <laughs> say that ten times fast. Right, right, yeah. Um,
1: I can't be honest and say I I may not. I don't. My son's not at that age where he's taking tests. We always. I worked. One of the things I did for virtual was one of the reasons we moved to Pennsylvania so early, um, so quickly. Actually, not early, but quickly when my husband took the job was they were uh, on hybrid, so we could get him in. So what I had worked out with the team was all of his exam, like spelling tests or math tests would be done at school with somebody, not on the computer, because the computer was completely overwhelming. So there are a few things that I've seen for other families have helped. And with my own son and with myself, Uh, turning the camera off. So I discussed with the team what my son's needs were. And I expressed that during these moments, the camera is very distracting. During transitions, when the teacher's trying to get things done or moving on, or maybe there's a gap where the kids are kind of sitting there waiting for the next thing, he gets overwhelmed because of the chitter chatter. Mm. He can't figure out where it's coming from and he's trying to figure out who it is and he's not sure. So for me, I found for my kids that trying to find a place where they don't have to do testing online, I find the screens very hard because of the, the light Mm -hmm. on it. Uh, You can dim on your screen, the light a bit, uh, for my son, what helps him focus is turning the lights off in the room. So it's just the screen and then all the other lights are off. Um, I, I don't have anything more that I can think of off the top of my head, but those are the few things that have helped us when we're my, when my kids get overwhelmed.
0: And there's a couple things that I would add to that. Um, Deep breathing, so have your son breathe in through his nose like he's smelling a flower to the count of four, hold it for four seconds, and then blow it out through his mouth like he's blowing out a candle, Mm -hmm. counting that same four again, and have him repeat that several times. Um, There's also just that reminder of, yes, it's a test, but, you know, everybody... All the weight of the world is not on that one test. It's okay if you have a bad test if you get a bad score. Um, there's a great website called gozen gozen.com It's with Rini Jane and she does a tremendous amount of work with anxiety and she has tons of tips that she offers for free. Uh, she has these um, I think she calls them anxiety cards. Uh, I don't remember if those were free or if I purchased those for some students a few years back, but they are wonderful. They talk about, you know, the fact that, um, you know, Michael Jordan, the greatest basketball player ever, how many shots he missed compared to how many shots he made. I'm going to write that one down, too. Um, You know, the any any pro whatever athlete you find, you know, oftentimes has just as many negatives but they're only known for their positives. So we don't know about the negatives, you know, like, um, I am in, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan. And so Mark McGuire back in the 1990s, when he broke the home run record, um, he had like, I don't know, twice as many strikeouts as home runs, but we never heard about the strikeouts, Mm -hmm. you know? So knowing that it's okay to make mistakes and that everybody makes mistakes and we just keep practicing, um, so yeah, it goes, I'll, I'll put it in the, in the chat. So we have about 10 minutes. I want to make sure to get to your stories okay. about you, because um, now you've gone through at this point in your life, you've gone through two children that you um, have found that have autism. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm guessing at some point you're like, you know, there's a lot of things that my kids do that I do. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that kind of what led you down that road to get yourself tested? Yes, I noticed it
1: as early with my son, his sensory things, just different ways he responded. A lot of people would comment how in tune I am with my children. But it's not like, in, I, I can't, it's hard to explain what they were really saying. But it was beyond just observing and noticing. It was literally like I was them. And I was able to respond to them in a fashion where I told i understood what they were feeling mm-hmm. I, I can express it i could communicate it to the therapists i can i can communicate it to the school this is what he's feeling or she's feeling during this moment and this is what has helped this is what we've tried and this isn't helping so when we went through those things with both kids it was my daughter that really solidified it and started the conversation with my own parents was my mom kept saying, she is identical to you. We talked about my development a lot. And I, I didn't get into speech therapy until I was six ish mm-hmm. between four and six. I would, I didn't speak well. Who would have thought now? I can- <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the joke in the family. She just doesn't uh-huh. stop. And, um, I had other struggles growing up with learning and remembering memorization is not my thing. I can study, 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 study something. And if I'm not interested, like it's not my thing, I can't take a test for the life of me. I have such horrible test anxiety that I basically, I have such a hard time even showing up. So... School and college was very difficult and especially being undiagnosed for anything, but that didn't stop my parents. Um, they, I was evaluated many, many, many times, but no one ever brought autism up. Oh, gotcha. Learning disabilities. Uh, it's funny looking back, I have all the paperwork in my closet, which helped me eventually get diagnosed. Many, Adults don't get diagnosed because they don't have um, a living parent that can talk about their development, or the parent's not open to talking about development, or there's no information about childhood. My mom saved every piece of paper. So the joke about her being an emotional hoarder is really a good thing in this case. So I told my family and my mom and my dad were supportive. I said, man, if Tegan that's my daughter's name gets diagnosed with a, yes, I'm, I'm going to go get myself on the list because I am so like, there's so many things that I'm similar to my son on and so many things that I'm similar with my daughter on. And I am able to engage and approach them in a fashion that I don't know how I do it. Everyone's asking me how you do it. I want to do it too. I was like, I don't know. It's just me.
0: It's just me. It's like a
1: sixth, a sixth sense. There's that hard one for you. Right. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I still struggle. I, uh, I struggle very much with public speaking, even though I'm here. Um, I will work myself up to a point where it's like, I need to cancel. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I'm just, I've been in therapy long enough to um, get those things out of my mind. But I, by getting my diagnosis, and trying to support my children, I'm learning how to support myself and love myself more. Because that's the one thing Many people don't realize is yes, our kids are getting these diagnoses very young now. And it's fantastic. Early intervention, let's push this. It's so easy to just look on a piece of paper that says they're autistic or ADHD or um, emotionally defiant or these sort of things. Oh, it's on the paper. Oh, okay. And then it defines them for the rest of their lives. Many parents are scared of that and they will not get their kids the support they need based off the fear of the label, this label that ends up defining their child's future, their employment op- opportunities, their education, college, anything. It's And so that's one of the things I'm really working with is trying to change that for my kids, for other kids, for that, because that's what, you know, my own parents had that fear. It was a generation, it was a generation thing. And right. no other doctors brought it up. I didn't have, I didn't outwardly show these things, but you look back on my development and the things that I struggled with um, were very, very, autistic um things like socially my mom keeps telling me about this story of this little girl who just wanted to play with me so badly she would leave school in tears because i never showed that i wanted to play i would be next to her um but i never engaged i never would talk i mean i i I struggled with expressive language at that time but um i didn't know how to and i would rather play by myself than play with somebody else. And so the, the wonderful thing is the parent brought it up to my mom and was just like, um, she doesn't think Jess likes her. And my mom's like, oh my goodness. And so we ended up starting play dates and I got more comfortable, but that's how it's always been. Um, right. I've always struggled internally, socially. I am very uh, perfectionistic when it comes to things. I, I look very, you know, I'm approachable, but I, I study social interactions. I'll study it and observe. And then I come home and I psychoanalyze every little conversation. I'll do that after this, you know, (laughs) things I should have said, or maybe I shouldn't have said. Um, That's just part of the whole process. It's, it's very internal. Mm -hmm. So our kids may be looking like they're doing amazing and they are, and there's an internal struggle that's very hard to express for many of us because we don't want to look weak or different, or even we ha- we already have this label and people already look at us a different way and they already judge us for a different movement or a way we speak or how we socialize. So if we said, I'm struggling with this. Like, this is really hard for me. They, you don't want to put a spotlight on it. You're (laughs) already on a spotlight. Right. So, um, And I I think, um, I hope that helps answer that question. Yeah, it does. And I,
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, um, E you're welcome. Um, E wrote and said uh, that appreciate the suggestions. Thank you. Um, Mm -hmm. the reason that I reached out to you is because you had posted on your Instagram account and I want to make sure before we, before we yeah. close here that, that anybody that wants to follow you can finds out how to do that. Um, but you had posted a picture of you going like this. And you said it, it was something along the lines of how I feel when somebody finds out I have autism and that I'm married and have kids and have a normal, normal life, whatever normal is. Um, <laughs> and, and I thought, yeah, you know, and, and everything that you just described is I'm sure what led to that, to that post. Um, and noted the- as an inspiration to parents
1: and it gives them hope for their kids futures. And I'm like, and I had, I had a parent say, because you're married, because you have friends, I have hope that my child will eventually have that too. And I'm like, what if your child doesn't that's not important to them. Like, what's important? But right. <laughs> like that led to it. I, I think I had ten people say, "You're so inspiring," and I'm like, "Oh my god! If I didn't tell you I was autistic, would I be inspiring?"
0: So right. that led to that. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword because, yeah, you mean you? Yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that. I think people can figure figure out what I what I mean. Um, so. He then says, um, you mentioned memorization did not work for topics you're not interested in. Can you give a specific example in high school and college for how you handled that? Filtering and social cues are problems. Yes. Um,
1: I I had a few tutors. Um, what helped me was I st- um, when I was in college, I don't want to date myself too much. I mean, it's not much to date, but there wasn't voice <laughs> to text. There wasn't, we had a word, we had word that we mm-hmm. could type and we had paper and pencil. So I found that I learned better when I sit in the classroom with paper and pencil taking notes than I do trying to type it on a computer because I get distracted by the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Other things that could be more interesting, but I find taking little notes, listening, really helpful. So I would um, hearing it, writing my notes, and then going back and reading the text was really helpful. Um, I can say that if maybe I had a diagnosis or an understanding of myself better, <clears throat> I may have better ideas of what helped me. I was very down on myself. I actually felt stupid and worthless and really had no real reason being in college. That's my, what I felt about myself because I struggled so much. Sure. And I even was assessed in college for a learning disability and they, I, they didn't find anything. Um, because I did, and I showed my mom, I go, yeah. Cause I prepped for that. I was ready. I, I, I ate my Wheaties and I showed (laughs) up. I masked it where I showed up like the perfect student. Um, So I feel like if I had known myself a little better and I had more confidence in myself, maybe I would have been able to figure out strategies that helped me. I think my best advice is, um, especially colleges, is they do have a disability. Uh, office and they do provide support. So I was able to take tests that were proctored with no, no time limits. Um, I was able to be given notes. I had a tutor and that helped me learn. Uh, It really was. I had a therapist. I didn't have as much support as others. Uh, I just had grit and resiliency, and the want to finish this, and I did what I could do. I surrounded myself with, um, well, my mom, I'm taking credit for this, but my mom really advocated for me, and I was able to take a lesser workload. So I take one to two classes instead of a full load, and um, that was very beneficial. It really comes down to Self advocacy, um, really pushing hard to help your kids learn about themselves and be able to express it themselves. That's what I I never had. That I didn't. I don't. I'm only able to express myself now is because I learned through my children at 36 years old. Wow. So um, I I wish. I could have done that for myself. And I know for myself, knowing this, whether my child, my children had diagnoses or not, that is something that I would make sure that they knew how to understand themselves internally, what their needs were, and then be able to express it in a way that somebody else could understand. And if they have a hard time with that, well, letting somebody know, I really have a hard time with this, I, I I'm struggling with this. I am I'm having a hard time telling you why because it makes me anxious. Anytime yeah. that I would um have to approach somebody for somebody something, ask a question, make a phone call, I'd have a complete panic attack and couldn't do it. I'm still working through it to, to this day because I didn't have nobody knew how to help me. They did right. the best they could. So pushing self-advocacy, asking for help, finding the resources. There's much more out there. And if you're having a hard time finding resources, reach out to the local nonprofits and um, just keep searching, (laughs) keep pushing for it.
0: Right. And if you're in a rural area and you're having a problem, you know, finding any local resources, because some rural areas don't have as much, obviously, as some of the the cities do, reach out to myself. Reach out to Jessica. We're going to share in just a minute how you can follow her on Instagram and find her on Facebook and whatever other ways that she has that she can uh, let you know where she is and how you can get in contact with her. Um, E Calhoun says, thank you so much. I'm thinking about the future because I doubted college would be an option for our son and um college doesn't have to look like you go to a place you live there for four how many years and you take you know five or six classes every semester um college can look very different um Mm -hmm. and especially now i mean i you know i've told other families when they were worried about their uh son going to college that um you know he didn't do well in an environment with a lot of people and i was like you know what there will be, you know, there's, there's online college. Well, this was before COVID. Yeah. Um, and now there's even more virtual yeah. and online options. But in this case, it sounds like that wouldn't be the better option for you. But as Jessica said, you know, maybe your child can take just one or two classes a semester. Mm-hmm. You know, there, we have to get beyond thinking, well, this is the way society says it's done. And this is how it should be done.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: again, we want to think about, it's an individual law it's, I mean, it's a law for individuals. Um, It's not, you know, we have, it's not, this is what society needs to do. It's what is appropriate for this individual. Yeah. So definitely be, yeah, it's, it's awesome. First and foremost, that you're thinking about the future, Um, if you have an IEP for your child, um, and you don't have something along those lines in your parent concerns section, again, reach out to myself or Jessica, and we will be happy to help you write a parent input statement or a parent input letter to make sure that your IEP team knows how you're feeling and what you're thinking about, um, Jessica, We've actually gone over the normal amount of time, which is, it's fine, it's, it's, I love it, um, because you have given so much helpful information. And I mean, all the steps that you talked about with your son, with your daughter, with yourself, um, I really feel that that gave a great idea and a completely probably new perspective of, like I said, you know, oh, autistic autism looks like this. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't, I do really feel that every person that I speak to that is either a person themselves with autism, or they have a loved one who has autism, it's not the same. Mm -hmm. And they often, and um, there's a story in my book, um, for those that don't know, I've written a book, those who can't teach and it's stories of families who were told they can't, um. And it, people with autism are in the book. People with um, specific learning disabilities, um, and there's other things in there, but they're all true stories. And when I interviewed them for their stories, one of the families that's in there said, "I didn't think that my child had autism because I was thinking autism Rain Man." You know, again, going back to the movie and you know the the movies and television and those repetitive types of of um, behaviors. And and the mom said too. Even to this day, my child, if you fill out that yes, no questionnaire, doesn't show on paper that he has autism. Mm -hmm. So we need to, you know, we need to be aware of that, whether we're educators, whether we're parents, whether we're medical professionals, Mm -hmm. there's more than the piece of paper and the masking behaviors. Um, You know, we have to, we have to convince our kids um, or our our adults, if they're going in to be tested, not to mask your behaviors because you want to, you are uniquely you for a reason. You help make the world a beautiful place. And if you hide who you are, then you're hiding some of that beauty away from the rest of the world. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Well, it's how I feel. Um, so I, you know, I encourage you, you know, not to mask anymore and to share your, your beauty with everybody. So Jessica, really quickly, um, how can people find you, how can they keep up with you? Yeah. Um, my,
1: I have a website in the works. I started okay. over, so I'm not going to give that out. Uh, but you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's at Jessica Beatty, first, last name. Then an underscore advocate. And then on Facebook, uh, you can find my business page. It's Jessica Beatty, uh, but the handle is at Jessica Beatty Advocate without an underscore on it. Okay.
0: All right. So that um, I put in at Jessica Beatty underscore advocate, but forgot to put that that was Instagram. So if anybody's watching, that's the Instagram one. The Facebook one is at Jessica Beatty. Um, am I saying your last name right? I feel like I'm not saying right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, without the underscore, just advocate. Okay. Yeah. I'm most
1: active on Instagram
0: yeah, or that's you can where...
1: out to me via email at hello at Jessica Beatty.com.
0: Whoops, a zero. Hello at Je- I can't speak and <laughs> type at the same time. <laughs> okay. Hello at Jessica. Okay. Dot com. All right. I think I got them all. All right. So, yes, if you want to reach out to Jessica or you want to reach out to me, um, mine is shellykino.com, is my website, and uh, shelly at shellykino.com. And so, if you have found me here on YouTube or Facebook, um, you know how to spell my name. So it's that same spelling for the website and my email address, Jessica. Thank you. I, I, I'm so happy that we were able to do this today. I'm so appreciative of you coming on and sharing not just your story, but the story of your children. Um, E. Calhoun and Michael, thank you for joining us and commenting. And anyone else who joined us today or is joining us in the replay, thank you so much. Please leave your comments. Please share this. Like I said at the beginning, the more people who hear these stories, the more likely we are to make the world a better place for all one IEP at a time. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.